Hi, this is Day for Night with Caridad Svich, a series that looks at the intersection between theater and poetry in the edgelands and the wilderness. Today, I'm just going to do a selection from a piece of mine called Albemarle. Albemarle is the name of a town in which the play takes place. This is a section sort of midway through the play. And it goes something like this. The cries echo through the low-hanging belly of the old part of town, straight into the decaying walls of what once was the opera house. Past the wooden dock and the acrid stench of the dried-up river, and past the marble plaza that bears only scant traces of marble now. The badger's cries wake the animals, insects, and birds. For a moment, there is a raging choir singing through the whole of the city. We will not be ignored. I think of myself as one of them. I think of myself as a bird, or a badger, or insignificant insect taking up as much space as I please. I roar like the beast that I am, like the beast I once was when I lived long ago on an island, sheltered in peace. The town and its small-mindedness means nothing to me. We are bigger than this town. We are everything. The animals, birds, and insects are singing the high notes now, while I take the bass, keeping the groove steady, the rusting, clean. We will not be ignored. We will not be ignored. We will not be... It feels good to say it. It feels good to wrap our mouths and beaks around such words. It's been ages since we could say such things, not least of all on a rainy Sunday, shadowed by boozy cravings and jacked-up longings. feels like last summer, all of a sudden, when you were still here, and we dreamt of leaving, Remember, we hatched all sorts of mad schemes. You said if we begged the eclipse, it would hide us in its inseam and slip us out on the other side of another city. And there we would write a world of song that would make even the ancients jealous. You wore beads and rings and I wore swirling tattoos. I talked our story without a word. And no one said anything, because they knew we were a thing. 
and our thingness mattered because it was holier than any church and dirtier than the earth, and through it new languages could be born that blasted all the other languages out of the dead waters in which they lived for far too long, because no one had taken care of them. You said, we could take a boat the next Sunday out, or walk over the hills where they used to bloom, and just sit out, on a course of our own imagining. Just like someone else had done once over the hills and ever unseen. I said, we needed to wait because mine needed me and things weren't done yet between us. Besides, we had our whole lives, didn't we? You looked at me like I was the worst sinner on earth, even though you knew neither of us believed in religion in the way that some of ours in this town did. Instead, if that's how I felt, then we were done for the night. Maybe for always. And that's a selection. And now to go to the second half of the episode today, as I have been doing, uh, reading texts by writers that I admire and that have had an impact on my work in some way, or are having an impact continuously on my work. I like to take a look today at the writing of Mari Costa, who is a dramaturg and a critic and a listener, a listener of Theater X. Uh, Mari has written any number of things, a great deal of criticism, and sort of more, I wouldn't say confessional, but wonderfully rambling, discursive think pieces uh, in her blog, in her prior blog and in her current blog space. Um, She's also written for The Guardian and any number of uh, organizations. But I wanted to choose a section actually from a review which might seem like an unlikely thing to do, but from a review uh, of a piece earlier this year, uh, it's posted here January 30th, 2020, in the online theater magazine, Exwent. And I find this review, so much of Maddie's writing to be mesmerizing, uh, it sort of goes beyond the act of seeing the work at hand and really into another realm that makes you think beyond the work. So even if you weren't present, uh, it still kind of ignites something in your imagination as a reader, which I think the best reviews uh, do and can do. So this is a review. uh, The title of the review is Light, L-I-T-E, Metal, M-E-T-L-E, Firebird at the Yard. Uh, and it's a 
preview of performances by Ultimate Dancer and Julie Cunningham at the Yard Space in London. I'm just going to read a section of it. Forests are burning. The world is on fire. And we're sitting in a theater as if none of this matters. The red cord strung across the stage might be a cat's cradle stretching the hands of a child. Julie Cunningham's body ducks and weaves between and through the lines, struts and pecks beneath and over them, stretches and tugs the length of them. Decorating the edges of Cunningham's body are flame-red, feathery tufts. The music propelling their movements is Stravinsky's score for the Firebird, a fairy tale creature that glows with its own unquenchable light. Suddenly a projected image appears on the back wall of artist musician J.D. Samson, eating an apple and mutter murmuring along with the melody. The playfulness is exquisite. Or the red cords might be a snare. Arms drawn back, shoulder blades scrunched, Cunningham bats truncated wings, effective as a chicken's. Curling their arms to the front of their body, they scrub at their breasts, perhaps to grow them, perhaps to erase them. Now and then, their body snags, caught in the web of the cord, searching for how to break free, but they do. And their body looms larger and larger, seizing power from the music, from the promise of the other firebird, the phoenix who is perpetually reborn from the embers of its own flames. Or the red cords might be bloodlines, connecting story and thought and art across time, connecting modernism then with modern resistance now, connecting the original bold ambition of Diaghilev's Ballet Russe with today's dance artists attempting to disrupt comfortable, conservative, traditional spaces in which the firebird might be too easily caged, connecting the rejection of Tutu and Bun in 1910 with Cunningham's refusal to pander to gendered conventions. Gender is a social construct. It doesn't exist. It's just a box. The body is unstable, constantly changing. This is me today. Forests are burning. The world is on fire. And we're sitting in a theater because these things matter. Because politics are heavy. Because theory is heavy. Because money is heavy. Because inequality is heavy. Because despair is heavy. Because bodies are heavy. Because desire is heavy. Louise All is here to make light bring light. stop there. Little selection from Maddie Costa's review. Uh, seek out her work. Uh, she is a just a brilliant thinker and someone who cares deeply about this vanishing thing called theater, <laughs> uh, which may not be vanishing. It's simply evolving. 
and adjusting and in its own strange way, finding new ways to communicate just as we do here. As always, this is about you and I in this theater. You there in the dark, and I here wondering who you are. Listener support is appreciated. So if you're so inclined, please click on the button that says listener support (laughs) on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If there's anyone out there, uh, yes, and donate whatever you can. Um, I'm hoping to debut a long form piece soon on this platform, but I'm and that will be its own event, as it were. So, um, yeah. As I said, listener report is appreciated. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll catch each other on the other side. Till then, till next time, this is Day for Night with Gary That's Fitch. <laughs>